Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Well, does anybody here today like money? Could, could use some more of it? Anybody? Would you like to be able to say, yeah, man, I got good money, right? Good money. Well, does anybody here right now have a $20 bill I could use for just a few minutes? Seriously, this is a, okay, you got, uh, don't take it out of your offering envelope. No, 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 no. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that it's offering envelope there with that. That's good. So this $20 bill here. What's this $20 bill? Oh, another one? Oh, okay. What's this $20 bill worth? There you go. $20. That's right. What was it worth in 1982? It's worth $20. Okay. Um, that's what it's worth as far as currency goes. It's $20. It will always be $20. Now, well, I moved here in New England in 1982. And let's assume that I had a $20 bill from then. I still had it today. The question is not what it's worth. I mean, it's still worth $20, but what is its value? In other words, what could I get today for this $20 bill compared to what I could get in 1982 when I moved here? That's the question, isn't it? And here's the answer. This $20, 1982, today it will buy me the same thing as $8.25 would have bought me in 1982. <sighs> right? Okay, and then let's go the other way. If I want today to have the same value, the same purchasing power, I would need $48.48. Have the same purchasing power. So, what is money worth? It's what it can do, right? It's what it can do for you, what it can do through you. And so, we want to be thinking about this. What, what is, by the way, I wouldn't say $20 is good money anymore, would you? Although I'd sooner have it in my pocket than not, right? Well, you know, I think this whole idea of how money changes and the value of it maybe helps to explain why 75% of Americans now live paycheck to paycheck. That means that they don't have, you know, reserve funds set up. They don't have savings set aside to repair a car. They don't have any of that kind of stuff. It's just they're making it from paycheck to paycheck. And by the way, some of those people who are making, just making from paycheck to paycheck are making big paychecks. And they're still just making it paycheck to paycheck because how we approach our lives. Now, I think most, maybe all of us can relate to some time in our lives, and maybe for you it's right now, but when we had to watch every penny. Do you remember that? Keep track of every penny because we didn't know how we were going to make ends meet. I mean, how many of you would say today that a little more money would be helpful? How many of you would say a lot more money would be a lot more helpful? All right. But the reality is, and I hate to break it to you, the reality is that most of us are not going to get a lot more money anytime in the near future. Instead, we find ourselves breaking into the piggy bank, right? To see if we have something there that we can use. And, you know, to, to take care of whatever the pressing needs are. And we keep feeling like our lives would be a lot happier if we just had more money. 
Uh, we never seem to have enough. Uh, no matter how much money we actually have, almost all of us would answer this question the same way. How much money is enough? And the answer is just a little more, right? I mean, wouldn't we all, you know, if, if I had just a little more, then I would have enough. Now, if you're again, when you start thinking about more money and hopefully even more money, and then you make the mistake of talking about it in front of other Christians, it's not necessarily a mistake, but sometimes it feels like it, someone is likely to come along and say, well, don't you know that the Bible calls money filthy lucre? That sounds like a disease, <laughs> right? Lucre, and it's filthy. But I mean, it's actually, you know... Those, that that uh, phrase there, those terms uh, predate the King James Version of the Bible. Shakespeare used it in some of his things. And really, very little, it just means dirty money. Dirty money. And the idea is money that has been gotten in a way that's not right. Money that's been gotten at the expense of maybe somebody else, hurting somebody else, lying, cheating, stealing, filthy lucre. Now, money is not bad in and of itself, but it can become a bad thing. You understand that? Money is not bad in and of itself, but it can become a bad thing if you look at it the wrong way and use it the wrong way. But there is a way for all of your money to become good money, not bad money. And that's what this sermon series is about. We're starting today and in three more weeks to follow. God's way to good money. You see, God has a lot to say about money in his word. And, and if God says something about money in his word, what do we know about that? It's true. It's right. It's always true and right. God's word is perfect. It is sufficient. He really tells us everything we need to know in order to function well with our money and to experience our money as Good money, not as a curse, but as a blessing. So today we want to consider this truth from God's word. And here it is, that money is a good thing when we value it the way God does. Money is a good thing when we value it the way God does. And, and, and what we're talking here is about purchasing power in our lives. How do we view the purchasing power of money in our lives? Not about stuff, but in us, you know? And we're talking about when our beliefs about what money can do and what it can't do, when those beliefs match what God says about what money can and cannot do, then and only then will money be a good thing in our lives. If, we do, if our views of money don't match God's, money will end up not being a good thing in our lives. So money is a good thing when we value it, the way God does. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, if you're here today and you don't have a Bible, we'd love to have you follow along with this, and I believe it's page 1365 in the Bible that's in the pew there. We encourage you to open it up and follow along. 1 Timothy chapter 6, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a young man named Timothy, talking to him about issues of, of ministry, issues of life, and he addresses this whole idea of how we value money. So let's start in verse number three. 
And, and he starts off just warning Timothy about people who will teach him the wrong thing. He says, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, using useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. Now stop there. I guess Paul's making it clear, right? People who want to tell you something different than what God's word says are not doing a good thing. But then he focuses in on one particular idea, which he's going to then expand on. And he says this, that these people, these false teachers, he says, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. What are we talking about here? What we're talking about here is people who will tell you, well, listen, if you will just give this money to our ministry, God will give you 10 times more money in the next year. In other words, you be godly and shorten your giving and you'll get ahead. You'll get ahead. God doesn't say that in his word. God does promise to bless us when we see money his way and use it his way. He does. But that doesn't mean you're going to get rich. It's not like that. God is not a big slot machine in the sky that if you'll just keep putting the money in, it's going to pay off soon. Do you guys recognize that? Don't admit it. But this is the way God gets portrayed sometimes, and it's, it's really with some pretty high pre pressure, high emotional pressure, uh, you know, through that television, through the radio, through things you get in the mail, but they, they always talk about, if you'll just, you know, plant a seed, God will bring in this great harvest, and, and those are spiritual truths, but nowhere in God's word does he say, if you'll give a dollar, I'll give you 10 back. You give a dollar, I'll give you a hundred back. Never says that. In fact, sometimes following him as Christians, we end up with not much money. Sometimes we end up with a lot. God's business, isn't it? So he says something about these folks. He says, from such, withdraw yourself. Folks, don't get caught up in this. Step back from it, step away from it, turn the TV off, unless you're studying it for some reason. Every now and then I'll watch him and say, What? <laughs> If you have questions about anybody in particular, anything you're watching, please talk to us because we can help you find out whether or not this person is legitimate, okay? And by the way, we're not saying don't give money to good causes. When God puts it on your heart, you need to do that. You understand what we're talking about? Okay, we're talking about people who will manipulate you with the things of God. So warning, Paul says, stay away from them. So let's continue now. By the way, they also make the point, they seem to make the point that if, you know, that you ought to be rich. Everybody ought to be rich. All you gotta do is follow God, you'll be rich. Well, not really, not necessarily. Verse six, he says, now godliness, remember just before he said, these people say godliness is how you get money. And he says, no, no, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Did any of you, any of your children born with a safety deposit box? All you moms are glad, right? Hey, oh, you aren't. And, and you know, the old story, you know, you don't see 
U-Haul trailers behind hearses. And the old story, you know, someone asked, a very rich man in town died, and someone said, I wonder how much he left behind. Another person said, all of it. Right? You came into this world with nothing. You are leaving with nothing. Uh, before we're done with this sermon series, we're going to show you how you can send some stuff on ahead. Not literal stuff, but you can store up treasures in heaven. And then he says this, And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. The, our basic needs in life, when we have those, we are choosing to be content. And godliness with contentment is what? What do you say in verse 6? Great gain. You want great gain in your life? Live the way God wants you to live and be content. Now, I want you to understand this. The Bible is not telling us here to be weird, crazy people. It's not about saying, hey, I'm poor as dirt. Ain't it awesome? <laughs> right? I mean, people are going to think you're a little loony if you're happy about that. We're not talking about that. We, I mean, nobody wants to be poor, right? I mean, you can be okay with being poor, but that doesn't mean you want to be poor. I mean, I know what it's like to be pretty poor by American standards. That's another thing we're going to talk about next week. But by American standards, I know what it's like to be pretty poor. I know what it's like to raise six kids and, and to have to get government assistance to feed them. I know what it's like to be able to, uh, not to be able to buy a car, much less a new one, and to struggle for how am I going to repair the one that I have. I've been poor by American standards. And if I have the choice, I choose not to be poor. You with me on that? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with being poor. It's just unpleasant. It's not what we would choose if we have the choice. So God is not saying here that we should be poor and stay poor and don't try to get unpoor. He's talking about being content. Contentment. Well, what is contentment? Uh, does contentment mean you can't have any ambition? Being content with what you have says, oh, okay, I'm never going to try to do better. No, that's not what the Bible's talking about. What is contentment about? Well, I think probably the simplest way to understand it is, is this sentiment about whatever financial condition we find ourselves in. How are you doing? And, and you think about it, you say, well, you know what? I'm okay. This is what I haven't. I'm okay. I'm, I'm all right. I'm cool with this. Right? The Apostle Paul talks about this elsewhere in his letter to the Christians in Philippi, okay? And when he said this, and it should be on the screen up there behind me, he says this, I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. See, right there is the secret. All of a sudden you realize, what is Paul valuing here? Is he valuing money highly? No, money's good if you got it, and if you don't, it's okay. And I can do it all because of my relationship with Christ. That's why godliness with contentment is great gain, because it's about your relationship with God. It's not 
about the money. Now, contentment is going to be hard to come by if you haven't settled your relationship with Christ. Because contentment ultimately flows from the inside out. It's not about what you have on the outside. Contentment starts in here. And there's no way you can be content because, see, God designed us with certain cravings in our lives, cravings in our soul, which we're going to talk a little bit more about. But they're there, so we're going to have these cravings. But only God can address those cravings deep down inside. And so if you haven't trusted Christ as Savior, you're going to always have a fight trying to be content. And so what you need to do is acknowledge that, that you're in trouble that your sins have separated you from God and believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose again from the dead. And then by faith you say, God, I am going to trust Jesus as my Savior. He is Lord, I'm yielding to you. I trust Jesus as my Savior. And when you do that, the Bible says he forgives every sin. You go to heaven when this life is over because you've received eternal life. And God himself comes to live on the inside and begin changing you from the inside out, and that's how you can become content. But you gotta trust Christ as Savior. And by the way, you can do that right now. Right now in your heart, you can say, God, yes, that's for me, that's what I want, I believe that, I I give in to you. Now, here's what you need to see when it comes to the value you place on money. Listen carefully. Money can never make you content. Because contentment flows out of that relationship with Christ. It flows from a heart that's surrendered to God and that's grateful for what God provides, whether it's a lot or a little. So this is what Paul's saying here. Contentment, godliness, contentment, great gain. Let's jump into verse 9 here. He says this, just the first phrase. But those who desire to be rich. Now, you ask me today, would, would you like to be rich, Walt? And we're talking by American standards again, right? Because by world standards, I'm wealthy. But in America, say, would I like to be rich? Sure, I'd like to be rich. But Paul's going to say something bad about this. Well, it's because this word desire is a very strong word. And it's talking about desiring from deep within your soul. You're saying, I gotta have it. That's what Paul's talking about. Those who desire to be rich. Those who say, I gotta have that money. I gotta have wealth. I have to have these possessions. And he he starts describing here what happens when people, including Christians, by the way, it's not just unsaved people, Christians, when people value money wrongly, when they overestimate its purchasing power in their lives, when they say, I've gotta have it, and they think that money is somehow going to be able to meet those deep, Needs these deep cravings that they feel in their souls. You know, there are two soul cravings that really stand out in our lives. Two that stand out. And one is the craving for security. We all want to feel secure, safe, right? And really, loved is part of that. When people love us, you know, it helps us. Do we feel secure? We get that feeling of security. Okay, so that's one of the cravings. The other craving uh, that's a, and not that there aren't others, but these two stand out. And the other one is for significance. I want to matter. I want to be important. I want to feel like I make a significant contribution in life. We like other people to think highly of us. And so 
these are not wrong. God made us this way. Now, sin has twisted it, but God made us with these cravings. And sometimes people make the mistake of thinking money is going to address those soul cravings, right? Because, you know, if I have enough money coming in, I have enough saved up, then I will feel secure. And if I have enough money, you know, people in my life, they will love me. I'll be okay if I just have enough money. Or is it, I have, if I have enough money coming in, I'm going to feel important, you know? Pretty cool if you pull out your pocket and have a wad of cash, right? I'm somebody important. Others will see that. And, and to people, it seems like a great plan, doesn't it? Just, just work hard, get ahead, get that money. You're going to be secure. You're going to be significant. There's one major problem with this plan. It doesn't work. Small detail. In fact, it's worse than that. Not only does it not work, it works against you. It works against you. You see, only God can actually address your need to feel secure, right? Because like contentment, where does it come from? This sense of security starts from the inside and works its way out. And you realize that if you've trusted Christ as Savior and you now belong to Him and He says, you're going to be with me in eternity and I'm going to use everything in your life to help you grow and become the person you need to be. I'll provide everything you need in order to... All of that stuff. Man, do you have reason to feel secure? Do you? We do have reason to, but sometimes we forget that. Same thing with being significant. How much more important could you be than that the Son of God would give His life for you? and include you in his plans forever. So when you desire to be rich, you know this, I gotta have it thing. When you desire to be rich and attempt to meet these natural cravings of your soul, it's gonna backfire on you and you will get hurt by it. Let's continue the verse. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. It's a trap. And, and it's, it's going to work against you and it's going to wound you. And he continues. And into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. You will drown in this, you can be assured. And it will lock you up behind bars of your own making. That very money that you think is going to free you is going to enslave you. So get this, and here's, here's what I want you to get today. We're gonna to go over it a couple more times here. Money can never fulfill the cravings of your soul. Only God can. Money can never fulfill the cravings of your soul. Only God can. So value God more than money. That's what I want you to get today. I think this is what God wants us to get. Verse number 10. Paul continues to show the folly of valuing money wrongly. And he says this, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And so you know, I mean, the people, this gets misquoted all the time, doesn't it? Money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. If it was, I've got to get it out of my pocket. It kind of comes out on its own. I don't know where it goes, so. 
For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Strayed from their faith. Money can get you to stray from your faith? Yeah, it can. Especially those of us as Christians because what happens is, is here, here's, here's God and, and everything that we need. And, and he says, you know, you can be secure in me and significant and I'll provide your needs. And sometimes I'm going to give you plenty to enjoy and sometimes I'm going to give you a lot so you can give it away and, and invest in my... I'm going to do all this for you. And we go... Uh, and we, we, we buy into the lure of money, right? And we make a decision where we say no to God in something because of money. That's big. Saying no to God about something because of money. And we do it, don't we? We've all done it at some point in time. We turn away from the only one who can meet the cravings of our souls and try to replace him with what money can get us. And it, it won't work. You see, the Paul goes on here. He talks about this, right? He talks about this straight. And then he says, in their greetings, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Pierce themselves through. And what he's going to talk about is those who think that they can find satisfaction in having money and gaining money. They're going to find satisfaction in that. It is never going to work. He says they pierce themselves through. Kind of a, a different terminology we don't know think of, but the word pierce means to penetrate completely. Do you want grief deep down inside? You want heaviness deep down inside? You want darkness deep down inside? Say no to God for the sake of money. And you'll be pierced through with sorrows. And you might even look really good on the outside and other people say, I wish I was like him. I wish I was like her. But you're pierced through with sorrows. Because remember, money can never fulfill the cravings of your soul. Only God can. Would you say that with me? Only God can. Try it again. Only God can. So money can never value the cravings of your soul. That's right. So value God more than money. So what's the bottom line then when it comes to valuing money properly? When it comes to your soul, what is the money's purchasing power in your life and what do you need to avoid when placing value on money? Well, let me ask this question. Do you want good money? Anybody want good money? I want good money. Well, don't love it then. Don't love money. Love the one who gives it. And that's God. The more important money is to you, the less content you'll be with God and the less satisfied you'll be in life. Let's just take a quick look at that. It's up here on the screen. The more that you love money, the less content you're going to be with God and the less satisfied you'll be with life. That's true, folks. You've got to believe it. This is what God says. Don't love it. Be content, godly content. Great gain. And we're talking about money this month, but do you realize we could put anything else up there where money is? Right? We could put a relationship, we could put a possession, we could put a job, we could put a... 
anything you want. When we love that more than we do God, we become less content with God. And the result is we become less satisfied in life. So what do we need to do? We need to flip this around, don't we? And we need to love God more because when we love God more, we'll be more content with our money and we'll be more satisfied in life. So which do you want? I mean, isn't it kind of, it's pretty simple, isn't it? It's not like, ooh, this is deep philosophy. No, no, love money ain't gonna go well. Love God, money finds its rightful place. So the question for you today is, how do you know if you value money in the wrong way? Because we all say, oh, yeah, I don't value money. I love God. And I know that's really the desire of our hearts, but I want to test yourself a little bit. Imagine that this week you had a major financial setback of some kind, a major I've had times in my life when $100 was major. For some of you, it might be $100,000. But you had a major financial setback of some kind in this life. Out of nowhere, boom, gone. You lost a lot of money. How would you feel if you came here today and I said, hey, it's only money. It's only money. Don't worry about it. You know, if you think that might upset you a little bit, or maybe a lot of bit, you may be valuing money more highly than you should. Let me ask this question. How much consumer debt do you have? And by consumer debt, I'm not talking about you've bought a house and if you can't pay for it, you give them the keys back and you're even. I'm talking about debt that you go into, credit card debt, more often than not includes car debt, those kinds of things. How much consumer debt do you have Do you realize that what may be going on is that you're not content with what God has provided for you at this time, so you have to spend more than he's provided you? And if you feel like you need to spend more than God is providing you for someone, you need to do that, you gotta have it now, then you may be valuing money and what you think it can do for you more than you should, more than God. I mean, compare, just do a little mental math here. Compare how much you spend on cable or satellite TV, on going out to eat, on entertainment, movies, etc., and, and vacation, add that stuff. How, how much do you spend on that stuff compared to what you give away because God wants you to give it away? You know, if you're spending more on those things than you're giving away to accomplish God's work in the world, you're probably valuing money more highly than you should. Now, please don't go home and pull out your calculator. <sighs> okay, oh, I gave $10 more, I'm okay. I'm not talking about it. I'm just trying to get you to see what, what is it that you love? What is it that you value? And, and what you spend your money on, especially, you know, when you don't have it, that shows a lot. And, and as long as you value money differently than God, more than God, don't expect your money to be good money. Money is only good when you value it the way God does. So listen again, and you can help me out with it. Money can never fulfill the cravings of your soul. Are you guys convinced of that? 
value God more than money. Can you imagine if we, as a community of believers here, we reach the point where we no longer have this deep, soul-craving desire to be rich? That we no longer love money and and try to, to get it, get out of it what only God can give? What if we're people like that? What a powerful testimony that would be, wouldn't it? What a pow- I mean, money is one of the gods of this world. People worship money. And when you don't, and you love God more than money, what a powerful testimony it is that you really believe in God. And then when he actually works in your life and provides, and we got some cool answers to prayer here, just recently these kinds of things. When he works in your life like that, you know, then they're going to say, wow, then maybe there's something to it. Because they see that, you know what, what you have in God is a whole lot better than what they have in money. <laughs> And then we can speak to them about their relationship with him. What a great opportunity. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and thank you for your word and that you speak to us so practically about these kinds of issues in life. Father, guard our minds and hearts and challenge us and help us to see our blind spots in these areas where maybe we... Whether a little or a lot, we kind of think money's going to do something for us which it can never do. Help us to remember that only you can meet those needs of our souls. And money's an awesome tool that you've given us, but it can't do what only you can do. Remind us to value you more than money. Not just with our words but with what we actually do. I do a pray again today, Father, for someone here who never has settled that relationship by trusting your Son as Savior. I pray that maybe right now in their hearts for you, they'd say, oh God, what he talked about, trusting Christ as Savior, that's what I'm doing right now. That's what I've decided to do today. One time for the rest of my life, I've made this decision. I pray, Father, if they don't understand it, they have questions, they, need, they, they talk to someone or use a communication card to write us a note, something, Lord, that, that nobody would leave here today without at least moving towards you. Oh, thank you that you first moved toward us. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.